something. This past year, the Lord has said, I don't just want you to burn inside the church. I want you to set a fire in the city. I want to let your light shine so much that when people see the difference between you, it changes them. You can have the fire of revolution that destroys, or you can have the fire of reformation that refines. And I believe the culture is rising up with a fire that wants to bring destruction. But I believe the church can rise up in a different spirit and bring a reformation that brings purification to listening it's so great to be with you thank you pastor jason pastor asia we met just uh earlier this year i think it was or late last year and we became quick friends easy to become friends with them with that smile that pastor asia has and that passion that pastor jason has and i love a pastor that worships when uh when he invited me to come you weren't necessarily in shutdown but i want to tell you if you're not in the building uh you are still part of what God is doing. You know, this year we've all been online. I had 50 events. I travel uh, for my ministry, even though we're based in Fairfield County and we're New Englanders and we believe that God is getting ready to do something in New England that's never been seen before. And you're part of that, but we get a, the opportunity to travel around and uh, encourage the body of Christ. Been to 40 nations this year alone i've been to 20 nations from my basement so you know i want to tell you god is still moving the church has left the building but it hasn't left the world we're still salt and we're still light we've seen so many we've seen hundreds of salvations this year we've seen people healed online uh, one in one meeting we had a lady in canada who got a complete hip replacement in an online meeting so can i tell you god can heal you right where you are today if you need healing god can set you free today if you need to be set free God can give you joy back because can I tell you something you can put on a mask but you, they can't take away your smile you can maybe take close the church building down but they can't take away your worship so I want to share with you today church in the rock I want to honor to hear be with you I have a great amen corner today not just my wife Kimberly but I have Leah who is going to shout me down and I have Joshua and I have Kayla that are going to be saying preach it and so you know usually we're in church and somebody says something that hits us we say preach it today when I say something that hits me I'm gonna say post it all right I want you to post it if it hits you because I believe we can encourage one another today I want to make this as interactive as possible with you and I want to share with you a word the Lord gave me for you church on the rock New Haven but I believe the church in New England the body of Christ at large it's called church on fire church on fire and I want, to, I want you to look at a scripture with me, Revelation chapter 2. And before you shut me down right now, because I'm a preacher from Revelation, let me just tell you, I'm not preaching about the end times, I'm preaching about our times. The, Bible, the book of Revelation is not just a revelation of what's going to happen, it's a revelation of somebody that already happened. It's a revelation of Jesus and his church. And so it's not about the end times, I'm not ready to get out of here, I'm ready to, be, to show Jesus to the world. And I believe that this is a word for you today. Revelation chapter 2 is such a, a, a good passage because when John is revealing Jesus to the church, the seven churches of Asia Minor there, he speaks specifically to seven churches and he says something, I believe, right here. We're talking about the church of Ephesus. So, so when we're going to read this, we have to understand that Jesus is speaking specifically to a church 
a church in a specific city and there's specific things going on in that city. And I believe that God has a word for your church in your city, wherever you are, because Jesus is still walking through the lampstands of the church and he's still encouraging us to let our light shine in darkness. And so let's read Revelation chapter two, verse one through five. It says to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Remember that Ephesus. We're speaking about Ephesus. And he says, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lamps stands i know your deeds your hard work and your perseverance you know stop right there sometimes when we think about jesus and he says i know your deeds we're like "Uh oh he knows what i did you know when when i was out as a teenager and i came in late and my mom said i know your deeds son I, that, that's not a good thing but i want to tell you when jesus is talking to the church there he's actually saying hey i know your deeds i saw when it was hard and someone hurt you and you loved your enemy I know your deeds. I saw when you didn't have the answer of, that you needed in your life, but you got on your knees and you prayed for someone else. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. He's actually complimenting the church here. I want you to know that Jesus isn't looking at his church saying, you guys are messed up. You guys are broken down. He's looking at his church and he's seeing his image in it. And he wants us to look more like him in the days ahead. That's the perspective that I'm coming at you from today. I'm not coming at you from a perspective that God's coming out to get you. He's coming out to find you doing something wrong. No, God is a God who catches you doing something right. And he's catching you doing something right, church. But I want to encourage you today. So I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know you cannot tolerate wicked people. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and are not. You've, not, you've found them false. And you have persevered. You persevered this year. You persevered in 2020. You've endured hardships for my name. You've not grown weary. You've not grown weary when people didn't understand you. You've not grown weary when you couldn't come out of your house. You've not grown weary whenever there was riots in the street. You've not grown weary when there's been political upheaval. You still stayed in that place. You've not grown weary. But listen to what he says. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. Now this sounds like a harsh word, but I want to tell you it's actually an encouraging word. Because when God looks at his church, he doesn't just seek to correct it. He seeks to build it up. And he says right here, a church is not just a building where people gather, but it's, a, it's a, a light that shines in its city. And what did he say? You have a lampstand. You have a fire. You have, and every one of the church he speaks to here, he says, you have a lampstand. And I want to tell you, Church on the Rock, you have a lampstand. And you can be a church that just gathers, or you could be a church on fire in your city. You can be a church that worships, or you can be a church that ignites worship in other people. You can be a church that fights the good fight, or you can be a church that causes people to, to, to come together, that builds bridges, that divides, uh, that break gaps divides. And I believe that there is a challenge for us here, that look, 
would you like to be in just in a marriage or would you rather be in a marriage on fire? <laughs> would you like to have a job and an occupation or would you like to be on fire about your occupation? And I want to tell you, this isn't just a message for the church. This is a message for us personally, because I believe we can make a choice this year. We can make a choice to just live or we can make a choice to live on fire. And I want to talk to you about what that means. Let's talk about Ephesus, first of all, because God's speaking to a specific city. And, and I believe this relates to us as well. But Ephesus was a very special city. It was a very famous city. It's one of the seven churches in Turkey or Asia Minor that, that is addressed here in Revelation. But it's a city that Paul fought to get to. It was, a, it was really the crowning jewel of his ministry. When we think about the early church, we might think about Jerusalem as the place where it all started. Or some people think of Antioch as a place where they learned how to live in community and then sent missions uh, agencies out. Some people might look further ahead and think about Rome and how it became a center of worship and, and cult around the world but I like to think about Ephesus because I believe it's a picture of how the church can be today because Ephesus was not a city people that were Christians wanted to go to Ephesus was a center of goddess worship it was one of the places of the seven wonders of the ancient world the temple of the goddess Diana or Artemis, the temple of the goddess of love. People would travel all around the world to see this temple, and they went there. It was kind of like Las Vegas. What happens in Ephesus stays in Ephesus because it was not a kind of church like we have here. It was a kind of church where they worshipped in horrible ways and immoral ways, and they worshipped immorality. It was a city centered around the worship of immorality, not just that. Its entire economy was built around this worship. So people would come around the world and craftsmen would create idols of this goddess that people would take home and worship. And so the entire economy of Ephesus was built around immorality and idolatry. And this is the place where Paul decides to start the church. Paul, the father of of the Gospels, the father of Timothy, by the way, who became the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Let me tell you, let me re fast forward a little bit the story of Ephesus because Ephesus became the center of the, of the Eastern church. It, they say, historians tell us that there were over 100,000 people in home groups that met all over Eph Ephesus, that the worship of the goddess Diana was toppled, that the whole economy was changed, and it all started with one man who came into a city and preached the gospel in the city, who preached the gospel, and a fire started, actually. Literally, the fire of the lampstand of the church of Ephesus started with a fire because people heard the gospel, and they began to burn their idols. They began to burn their witchcraft books. They set a fire in the city, burning the immorality, and it caused a transition. And I want to tell you something. This past year, the Lord has said, I don't just want you to burn inside the church. I want you to set a fire in the city. I want to let your light shine so much that when people see the difference between you, it changes them. It changes the way they do things. So let me tell you something. You can have the fire of revolution that destroys, or you can have the fire of reformation that refines. And I believe the culture is rising up with a fire that wants to bring destruction. But I believe the church can rise up in a different spirit and bring a, ref a, a reformation that brings purification to 
us first because judgment doesn't begin with the culture. Judgment doesn't begin with the political party. Judgment begins in the house of God. And, and when we embrace the fire of God, listen to me. How do they lose their fire? He said, look, if you don't get back to this, you can actually lose your fire. Now think about it. Your marriage can lose its fire. Your, your job, your occupation can lose its fire. How does that happen? Because if you lose your fuel, you lose your fire. Oh, you can post that, can't you? <laughs> if you lose your fuel, you lose your fire. Why does the flame go out? Because the oil has run dry. And you know, so many of us are burning with the wrong kind of oil. That's why we burnt. Some of us have tried to come to a place of burnout this past year because what kind of fuel flame uh, caused that fire to burn? It was the fuel that came from the lampstand of the temple. It wasn't fossil fuel. Fossil fuel is the, you know, that dirty kind of oil that comes from, you know, the decay of dead animals that stays in the ground long enough that now it creates carbon and it can burn. That's what we, that's what fuels our cars, called fossil fuel. And there's some people, that's all they burn with. They burn with the decay of the dead things that they inherited, the dead things that have been laying down there, and it creates a passion in them, but it's a destructive passion because it's a passion out of their pain. It's a passion out of their loss. It's a passion out of the decay. And you can burn with that, but that will burn you out. You can burn against the abuse you experienced, but it will burn you out. You can burn with the injustice you've experienced, but it will burn you out. You can burn against with the sin that came against you, but it will burn you out. And I'm not going to burn with fossil fuels anymore. You know, and there's another kind of fuel. It's a fuel that comes from fat. <laughs> fat, that is the lard, the excess of the animals or the excess that comes. And there's a lot of people that burn with excess. There's a lot of people that burn with passion for just the desires of what makes them feel good. It, it's the desires of make, what makes them like, I want, I want this. And I'm telling you, God wants to give you the desires of your heart, but if it, your desires are what fuels your life, it will leave you empty, and you will, you will lose your lampstand. But I want to tell you there's another kind of fuel that you can burn with. The oil in the lampstand was made from pure olive oil. Olive oil. That's the oil that comes from fruit. Here's what I want to tell you. God wants to use what you went through last year to produce oil from fruit now I, we can amen that you could post that you could say preach it it's good but let me tell you how olive oil is produced there's a seed that goes into the ground the ground has to first be cultivated there has to be watered it has to be watched over it has to grow it has to be pruned and all of a sudden that fruit when it comes to the peak of its ripeness is picked and you would think that's the end of it no no because when the fruit is at its peak, it has to be pressed. That's what last year was about. It wasn't about punishment. It was about taking the fruit of your life and allowing it to be pressed so that God could bring pure oil out of your life. Because God wants you to have a fire that doesn't burn out. And somebody say, I've been pressed last year. I've been, I was pressed last year. Let me tell you something. You know, prophets had a hard time last year. Let me tell you, they're having a hard time now. I'm glad I wasn't one of those political prophets. I didn't have to go on an apology tour. But let me just change my, my direction right now because it doesn't matter if you've been publicly disciplined, you've been privately disciplined. 
You've been pressed. And maybe last year you didn't expect what happened, but if you were before the Lord, you were prepared for it. And there were some things we didn't expect. I preached a sermon at the beginning of last year. It was January, the first week of January, called From Empty to Epic. This is going to be a year where God takes us from empty to epic. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God says, I come to you, bring life and life to the full. Well, the empty part came pretty quick. Let me just tell you, you know, within a week of that sermon, my daughter... She had a car accident, totaled her car. Thank God she was okay. Two weeks after that, we experienced a shutdown. Uh, 50 events of mine were canceled. Two weeks after that, I got a call from my sister who was uh, struggling with the virus and her whole family. And she called me and she said her husband went into cardiac arrest. It affected his heart. And we prayed with him on the phone, tried to revive him. He didn't come back. Lost a loved one to this virus. few weeks later, I was taking a Sunday afternoon ride on my motorcycle, and went a little wide on a corner, hit some sand, and almost lost my life, lost two hours of my life in memory. Can I tell you something? Maybe you were pressed last year, but if you stayed in his presence, what comes out of the pressing is pure oil, just pure oil. And I would rather be pressed and burn for him than burn out living off of fossil fuels, living off of the fat. Can someone say, I want to burn? Can I want to be a, I want to be a church on fire. I want to be a person on fire. Let me tell you why this is important. Because the fire of the church of Ephesus burnt, burnt for, for years, for generations. It became a generational church. This was written to a generation that actually the third generation of the church of Ephesus because Timothy became the pastor of that church and grew it very large and there was a generational blessing but even a church that if you look at Revelation this is the only church where actually the spirit of the Lord doesn't bring a correction he says I've seen your hard work that means you can work hard and still burn out I've seen your perseverance but you can persevere and still burn out I see that you didn't tolerate bad doctrine you know, you can have good doctrine and still burn out. I've seen that you didn't put up with false teachers. But can I tell you something? You cannot put up with false stuff and you could still burn out. I want to tell you something that what causes you to burn isn't your performance. It's the presence. It's the presence of the one who walks through the lampstands. It's the presence of the one who actually caused the fire to take place in the first place. Let me tell you some things that I believe it's important to have this fire in your life. And let me talk to you personally, and I talk to myself. Why is it that he spoke to these churches individually, and he says to Ephesus, you can lose your lampstand, you can lose your fire? Because your fire is what makes you uncommon. Your fire is, is what makes you stand apart from the world. We have nothing in common with the world, the Bible says. Your fire is what makes you different. When you watch a flame burn, no flame burns exactly the same. Even at home, I have a propane fireplace, and uh, it's mesmerizing just to watch that thing burn. But it's, it's uniform, and it's, and it's artificial in some ways because it's just burning propane. It's not real wood, but it still doesn't burn in a pattern. You see, I'm saying that you're not called to be common. 
You're not called to be ordinary. You're not called, look, you can live in community in, in the world and not be common with the world. And there's a difference, you see, because your fire is what makes you allow to be part of a community but not be common. Not just that, it actually causes you to burn than anyone else burns. You know, the reason I think that we've struggled so much this year to understand what God is saying, and if you will, people have struggled to understand what God is saying. The reason is, is because we've heard so many sounds in the world that we get confused between the sound of culture and the sound of God. And so we have to be, instead of being echoes of the world, we have to be a voice of God. And, and it's so easy to become common. Sometimes I even hear young people trying to discern what God is saying. And they'll watch a YouTube video or they'll see an Instagram post and then they'll repost it. Because they think if that person heard God, that God wants them to say the same thing. But can I tell you something, young person? Can I tell you something, Leah? You're not common. You're called to be uncommon. You're called to be different. You're called to burn with something that no one else burns with before. God didn't create you to be an echo. He created you to be a voice. And in a world that lives with FOMO, fear of missing out, what we do is we go after what everybody else is going after. We say what everybody else is saying. Instead of setting ourselves aside and seeing what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is saying something through you that's uncommon. Wants to do something through you that's uncommon. Church of New Haven, you are not a common church. You're an uncommon church. You're called to have an uncommon message, an uncommon presence, an uncommon perseverance, an uncommon ability to bridge gaps. You're not a common church. You're an uncommon church. What's the second thing that your, what your fire does is it makes you contagious because when you start to burn, other people start to burn. I, I love what, I, love what um, I think it was John Wesley said. He said, you know, I, when, I, when I preach, I just set myself on fire and people come and watch me burn. I like that because we love to get around people that are passionate about something and your fire is what makes you contagious. Come on, I'm not contagious because, you know, I actually had to have a little sur surgery after my motorcycle accident and had to go through physical therapy. And even though I was being safe, just going to the grocery store and physical therapy, my, my physical therapist thought I needed to have COVID. And so, thank God I have some beautiful antibodies. I, have, I can travel the world freely right now, but I can tell you I'm not contagious to you today. I, I wouldn't have to mask if we were here. I might even be able to give you a high five and ooh, if you're a hug or maybe even a hug because I can't give you what I don't have. I've been inoculated against a virus, but I wanna tell you, you can get what I have, and that's a fire for holiness, a fire for purity, a fire for praise. You know, you can get around Pastor Jason. You can't help but want to worship. And he got up here after the worship, and he worshiped again. And I'm like, I thought worship was over, but I want to worship again. Why? Because he's contagious when it comes to worship. If you met my wife who's sitting here, she is contagious with her love for people. I'm telling you, like, I like people. I do. I just don't like to be around them many times. But, you know, and I walk into a, a coffee shop, I can put in my headphones and just be in the presence of God while the world around me is, you know, talking. But when my wife walks into a coffee shop, it's all about people, right? 
It's all about people. And so when I walk into a coffee shop with my wife, everybody thinks like I'm a people person with her. And then I stay around her a lot. I start to actually like people. Like I like, I will, I'll talk to you if I'm with my wife. If you see me by myself, I've probably got my noise canceling headphones on. So don't mess with me. <laughs> when, I, when I walk into the coffee shop in our town, they know me. Not as Bob Hazlett, that guy with all, you know, that social media following, or Bob Hazlett, that prophet that goes around the world. They know me. That's Kim's husband. <laughs> Why? Because she's contagious. And when I get around her, I start to love what she loves. You know, if you're struggling with your personal walk, get around someone who's hunger and thirsting after righteousness and you'll start to hunger and thirst after righteousness if you're struggling with your attitude if you need joy get around someone that's happy and you'll start to get happy i'm telling you the church is supposed to be contagious to the world not the other way around i'm just telling you this shutdown has made us realize that we have to find the fire back inside of us because you're called to be contagious Say, I'm contagious. <laughs> Come on, Leah. God's made you contagious. He's made you not to be an echo. He's made you to be a voice. He's made you to be a one that would be a different maker, a difference maker in your generation. And I believe that this church is called to be a difference maker in this region. I believe you're called to speak with a voice that other people are afraid to speak with, to build, br br uh, build bridges that other people are afraid to build. The third thing that your fire does for you, not only does it make you uncommon, now, does it make you courageous, but it makes you creative. You think, well, fire, fire is not creative. Fire is destructive. No, no. Fire is very creative. Do you know that that's the way nature is made? Forest fires that aren't man-made are actually, they're actually created through nature purging out things so that new growth can come. You know, now I want to tell you a story in this one, Leah, you don't listen. Don't do what I say. Right. Don't don't do what I did. Do what I say. That's what I'm saying. Do what I say. Don't do what I do. When I was young, I had a fascination with fire. My next door neighbor, we were probably about six or seven years old. She had a, a sister who smoked and her parents didn't know she smoked, but she knew it. So she would sneak under the bed and she would get the matches. Now, we didn't smoke. I didn't wasn't interested in it, but I was fascinated with setting stuff on fire. Don't listen to me, Leah. Okay. I was fascinated with fire because there's something about it that's so creative. There's something about it that's fascinating. But what we didn't understand was fire can also be destructive. And there were these large pine trees on the corner of her house where she lived. And they'd been there for probably 30 years when the house was built. And underneath, there were 30 years of dry needles under those pine trees. And so one day, we were just seeing what would light and what wouldn't. And, and we got a pile of these brown pine needles. And let me tell you, in case you didn't know, brown pine needles burn, okay? We made a little pile, just a small pile, and we lit that thing on fire. Soon we, soon as we walked, it, it just blew up. The whole thing was on fire. The trees were on fire. She ran in her house, ran under the bed, hiding with the cigarettes. <laughs> and I'm left there to watch these trees burn. At first, it was cool. At second, it was scary. And I watched, and I stood there. I still remember as a kid, a guy stopping in front of the house and yelling out of his car, hey, your trees are on fire. <laughs> I was just in shock standing there. He ran past me into my neighbor's house to call that because that was the day before everybody didn't have a phone. Long time ago. Don't, don't date me for that. All right. So I ran back to my house, but later on, 
the Lord and my father disciplined me as we discipline sons. You know what I'm saying? Spare the rod, spoil the child. But I went back there a few years after I had gone to college and moved to another state. I went back to visit family. And I, and I drove past that place where those pine trees had burned down. There were these beautiful rose bushes, these beautiful plants. And these ugly pine trees were gone. Now, I'm not saying if you, you don't like your pine trees, burn them down. What I am saying is if you invite the fire of God to come into your life, it will purify stuff and create a space for the most beautiful things to grow in your life. You see, your fire is what makes you creative. See, the church of Ephesus became a powerful church, not just because this, this city was perfect, but actually because they shined a light in a city that was dark. Let me tell you about what happened in the next generation, and you may not be familiar with this, but Paul, who started the church of Ephesus, did not start it in the synagogue, and he didn't start it in a Christian meeting. He actually went to an academic institution, and he began to preach about Jesus in a school that taught Plato, in a school that taught what in that day what we would call secularism, in a school that even embraced the goddess worship. He taught it in a place. Think about this. New Haven is a place of academic excellence, but there's a church that has a fire. And I want to tell you that the wisdom of this world cannot beat the wisdom of Christ. I want to tell you that academics cannot, cannot stop the church from growing. Don't say, well, this city is just about academics or it's just about immorality or it's just about idolatry. I want to say you're in exactly the right place because that's the place where God builds his church, right in that place. And so Paul began to build this church and then it came along to the time where he had to pass it to a spiritual son. And here's what he says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. He says this, and I believe that he's saying this to you. God's saying this to you as a church. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I'm persuaded now also lives in you. For this reason, for what reason? Because you inherited a great faith. I love that he inherited it from his grandmother and his mother, by the way. That sounds like a lot of us. I'm here because I have a praying mother and a praying grandmother. I believe that there's a lot of praying mothers and praying grandmothers, the reason that you're sitting where you are today. Maybe it's a praying father and a praying grandfather, and that's fine. And we know we have great spiritual fathers and mothers. But I love this in this early church that it was women who prayed that birthed a move of God. And I believe it's time for the faith of the generations to bear the fruit of salvation. And so he says this, for this reason, because of that faith, I remind you to fan into flame. What is he saying to Timothy? Look, you didn't start this fire, <laughs> but you can keep it burning. It was always burning since the world's been turning, as the song says, right? You know, you didn't start this fire, but you got to keep it burning. 
You didn't start this fire in this city, but you got to keep it burning. You know, it was started by some people who were imperfect when they came to this country. That, st that school over there in New Haven was started by some imperfect people, but they had a flame. They had a desire. They had something. Do you know the mission statement of that school was originally to train people in science and the Bible so that they would infect the world and the church with the gospel. You have a fire that's in this city and you can fan it into flame. And Paul said to Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Why? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now, I know that I wrote that here in the NIV, but I can't quote it in the NIV. I only know it in the King James. God has not given you a spirit of intimidation, fear. He's given you a spirit of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. What are the three things that you've had to battle this year? You've had to battle the battle in your mind. The shutdown has tried to shut down your thinking. It's tried to shut down your faith. It's tried to shut down your hope. It's tried to put us in a place of fear. And what does fear want to make you do? Fear wanna, wants to make you fight or flee. And half the church wants to flee in the rapture. And the other half wants to fight the world. But I want to tell you that God's put a fire in you so that you can fight fear. And you could occupy till he comes. You could build his kingdom right here. And I'm not ready for a fight. I'm ready for a victory. I'm ready to walk in victory. I'm not fighting anybody. I get to fight the battle of being a peacemaker. That's the fight I get to fight. I get to fight the battle of loving my enemy. I get to fight the battle of trying to bring a sound mind to a church that's mixed up in a crazy world. But God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of a sound mind. He's given you a spirit that can love your neighbor. He's given you a power that can overcome this world. Here's what I want to tell you, Church on the Rock. God's made you uncommon. How has he made you uncommon? He's made you uncommon because you have an uncommon excellency. That's what the Lord told me to tell you. You have an uncommon excellency, and you are going to help to train a generation that walks in academic excellence. And I felt like the Lord said that there were some things that God's about to do through you through the area of education, that there's going to be a need that's going to arise in the community that you're going to be ready to fill. And the enemy thought he could shut down your plans for academic excellence. But I hear the Lord say that he is going to help you to raise up a community of academic excellence so that children will receive excellence in education. And I feel like this is even going to translate to some of your leaders. And I felt like the Lord said some of your leaders are going to be able to go to higher education. And I feel like there's even a door that's going to open up with a relationship with Yale that's going to help to train some of your leaders. And you're going to have world-class leaders trained through academic excellence. Watch out. I'm, I'm not doing you any favor, Pastor Jason. There's another degree that God's calling you to because I feel like you're going to have a degree of excellence that other people don't have. The second thing the Lord says is that you're not only uncommon, but you're contagious. <laughs> you're contagious. So the, the, the principles of the kingdom of God that you teach to the church, I believe, have to be taught to the community in the same way that Paul went into a secular uh, schooling environment and brought excellence and, and spirituality. I believe that the principles of the kingdom are going to begin to impact the community in a way of creating opportunities for development. 
personally and professionally for people. And I feel like the Lord has given you a vision for the ability to train people vocationally. And I feel like there was a time when this vocational training thing uh, started to grow, but it, then it, it was pruned. But I feel like this is a year is going to be a time where I, I feel like the Lord's even going to create like a, a, a staff person that's going to come alongside of you first part-time and then full-time. It's going to help to develop people in personal development and, and, and uh, entrepreneurship. And there's a connection between entrepreneurship, business startups, vocational training, and a creative community that God wants to build. And I feel like the Lord says it's time to be creative. It's time to release the spirit of creativity that God's given you. And I see literally like a worship and creative community that's going to grow up strong, but it's also going to provide vocational training, entrepreneurship, and excellence to help people in the community. Look, discipleship is the new evangelism. That's what I hear the Lord say. Discipleship is the new evangelism. You want to reach the world, train them. That's what Jesus did. Jesus wanted to train, he trained people into salvation. He taught them to heal the sick before he got them saved. He gave them a new vocation before he gave them a, a ministry profession. And I feel like the Lord said, if you want to evangelize, learn to disciple. Because discipleship is the new evangelism. You could post that. Discipleship is the new evangelism. The third thing I feel like the Lord says to you, you're, not, you're uncommon and you're contagious. You're going to bridge the divide in the church. I feel like this year has shown what we already knew was true, that Sunday morning, as they say, is the most segregated hour in, in America. And I feel like the Lord says that I am going to bring a fire to the divisions in the church. And I feel like the Lord's going to use you, uh, Pastor Jason, Pastor Asia, this church, to help bring together the church in this area. And I hear the Lord say, these are friends of God, but they're also friends of the bride. They're friends of the bridegroom and friends of the bride. And I feel like this God's going to use this church in, in this city to, to bring the church together. And I see literally when things start to change and open up, it won't just be so that we can all fill our churches again, but there's going to be a city celebration where the church celebrates that we can gather together as the church again. And I see the church of New England rise up in unity and too long in this area has there been division. Has there been division of ages where one generation persecutes the next generation and the next generation goes against that generation. I hear the Lord say, I'm going to bring a generational synergy. There's too long there's been a division between cultures and races where one stands for this and another stands for that. And I feel like the Lord says, you know what? Justice and mercy go together. You know, there's a, I'm not political, but I do. I, I love what it says in, in, a, in the motto of, of the United States. Let liberty, let there be liberty and justice for all. And I think that's something about particularly what's on this nation is that we can have freedom and justice. They don't have to go against each other. Liberty and justice. And I feel like you guys are going to be a voice for both freedom and justice. You're going to bring the church together. But let me talk to you personally, friend, let me talk to you and as I talk to myself. Because Timothy was a good spiritual son. He came from a good spiritual heritage. and He had a mother, he had a grandmother, and he had a spiritual father. But Paul still said to him, hey, son, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of my hands. What does that tell you? It tells you that someone else can initiate your fire. 
but no one else can establish your fire. Right, Leah? Your parents can teach you the scripture, but you got to choose to memorize it, right? You got to choose to hide his word in your heart. Your parents can sing worship songs, but you got to choose to be a worshiper. Fan into flame the gift of God that's in you through the lane. I'm thankful for the people that imparted to me. I'm thankful that I grew up Wesleyan Methodist. I thank you that I have the fire of John Wesley in me. I thank you that I grew up, had a little word of faith in me. I thank you that I got Papa Hagen in me, and I can still remember those things that I was taught as a kid. I'm thankful for the Pentecostal heritage that I have. I'm thankful for the message of the kingdom. But I'm going to tell you something. If you want to burn, you can't burn with the fuel of your fathers. you got to burn with your own fuel. And maybe you feel like you have burned out. Maybe you feel like you're one that's lost that first love. Can I tell you how you get it back? Here's how you get it back. A spirit of power, a spirit of love, a sound mind. You know, Jesus, the Bible says, he didn't come to fight. He came to die. And when he, he went to the cross, the first words he uttered were this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What does that mean? It means that forgiveness isn't just something that we offer people when they apologize. Forgiveness is something that we offer when they don't even understand the pain they caused us. That also means that God doesn't come to you and say, I'll forgive you if you admit how bad you are. I'll forgive you if you confess all your mistakes. No, he doesn't tell you confess your mistakes and you'll be forgiven. He says this, confess who I am and you'll be brand new. Now, I understand the principle of confession of sins. That's for a believer. That's for someone like you and me who, who knows the truth and then makes a mistake. And he says, if you confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. But he doesn't say that to the unbeliever. He doesn't say, come and confess all your sins and I'll forgive you. He says, here's what I want you to confess. Jesus is the son of God. He died for me. He rose again. When you confess that, now you're a new creation in Christ. All the old things are passed away and everything's become new. You can do that right now. You can get the fire in you. You can have the fire in you today by just saying, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And when that happens, you get the fire that Timothy had. You get the flame that burns. And now you can establish that in your life. Church, I want to pray for you today because I believe that 2021 will be a year that the church has to make a choice. We can either get our churches back or we can get our fire back. Because like the church of Ephesus, they never stopped being a church, but they lost their fire. I've watched churches this year. They still have a church, but they don't have fire. Some people still have a marriage, but maybe they don't have fire. They have a job, they have an occupation, but they've lost their passion. I want to tell you, you can get it back. How? Get back to that place where you caught on fire. Get back to the place where he first touched you. Several years ago, I had an encounter with God, and I was um, 
taken out of the pastoral ministry. I left pastoral ministry because of what God called me to do next, but I was preparing my heart. And I didn't have a ministry. I didn't have a job. I spent almost eight to 10 hours a day in prayer. I was living with some family members. This is about 30 years ago. And my father-in-law, who I lived with, gave me a little space where I could pray. It was in this dusty, musty space in, in his basement. And I would spend eight hours a day on my face and the smell of the carpet was so nasty and musty in that basement, but the presence of God was so sweet. Just a couple years ago, I was traveling. I was in another country where I was just having a hard time. I was feeling sick in my stomach. I was away from family. I was tired. I wasn't sleeping well. And I said, God, I said this out loud, God, why am I here? I'm, I feel like I'm going to die. I'm tired. I'm trying to serve you. Why am I in this place? And immediately God showed me a picture and he showed me on the floor of that basement. And he said, the problem is, is that you left the secret place. The problem isn't that you're in the wrong place. The problem is that you left the basement. And from that moment on, I realized the symbol for me that I'm starting to lose my fire is that I can't smell the carpet anymore. I smelled that carpet today, and it's not that your carpet is musty, but while you were worshiping, I was smelling the fragrance of God. And if you lost your fire, get back to the place where you first found it. Second thing I want to encourage you to do is get around somebody that's on fire. Find somebody that's fired up about what God is doing. Find someone who doesn't feel burned out. It's okay to feel tired. We become weary even in well-doing. I'm not criticizing that. Get around someone who is not in a weary spot. Get around someone who knows how to worship in the, in the, in the prison. And you'll, you'll see the walls shake and you'll see the chains fall. Get around someone who knows how to war with love. Get around someone like that. And the third thing is, man, embrace the pressing that you're in. Because the fuel doesn't come on the platform. The fuel comes in the pressing. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for my friends. Church on the Rock. I pray this would be a church, and I know it's a generational church. I know it's a Paul Timothy church. I know it's a Lois and Eunice church. I know it's a church that lives in a city that can look immoral and idolatrous sometime. But I, can tell, I, I know, God, what you want to do is make this a church on fire that changes this city, where people meet all over this city worshiping God, where the, the culture is shifted, and even the economic systems are shifted because of what the, the fire that the church brings. And I pray for my friends right now that they wouldn't just burn, but they would burst into flame. And that the places where they feel like they're burning out, that they would know that you've allowed them to be pressed so the fuel that they burn with will never burn out. God bless you guys. Thank you for allowing me to join you in your homes. God bless you guys. I'll see you soon after this is shut down, is open up. Have a great day.